I think we are live. Fantastic. Looks like it there. All right, cool. Uh, welcome everyone to episode 5.5. Uh, small change. We're talking about pale Commonwealth beers today. Uh, <laughs> getting even keep yeah. Straight face. Yeah, let's get that going. Uh, yeah. No, we're not. No, there. Uh, that would be like a five-minute episode. I mean, like it's it's beer. It's pale. <laughs> yeah. Sweat. Yes, we are talking about IPAs today, and and we're going to try to get through as much as we can with the vast category that is IPA. We kind of picked that because there was a, there's a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess on that aspect, uh, what's everyone drinking? Go for it, Brian. No, so I I have uh, the only IPA I have on tap right now is uh it's probably going to look brown in the camera. It kind of looks reddish. Uh, this is a red IPA. It's uh, a beer that we uh, fondly call Benny's Red, named after one of our, our past rabbits that we've adopted. That is a who good had, beer. Uh, who had, yeah, Patches. It's a Simcoe and Centennial uh, hop beer. Um, last, last time I fermented it with uh, Bell's House Yeast. This time I used uh, Imperial Flagship. Um, Bell's Yeast attenuates like nobody's business. Like I don't know if you guys have used it, but... That thing ferments down to like eighty five percent, like regularly yeah. for me. Uh, I've never, I've never used it. Now that's actually the beer that you had made into a kit, right? You can viewers can go online and buy the kit <laughs> to make that beer right now. Right. Yeah. So not to like dislabel peelers or anything like that. It's it still exists somewhere. Uh -huh. um, they said at one point in time, and, and it, yeah, it's still on their website. They uh, they said that I'm I was going to get a a cut of like money for every time that kid is sold or something like that. But I know a few people that have bought it and one, it never showed up on the affiliate page link that they gave me. And now that the, uh, the affiliate thing is like totally gone. Like it doesn't even exist anymore. So Aww. they they have the kit, they have the recipe, they're still selling it, but it has nothing to do with me anymore, except my name is in the description of the kit. So that's fine. Good. There's a little horn tooting you can do there. Man. Yeah. <laughs> on a website on a recipe. Yeah. That's awesome. So I I actually finally got around to kegging. I'm going to turn off my filter. That is my big brew day. Is it called, what is it? Pangea Proxima? Yeah. Yeah. Polaris yeah. something. Uh, so it's a big brew day IPA. I finally got around to kegging it. I have not even tasted it yet. I just poured it a few minutes ago. So uh, this is, we brewed this on on stream for big brew day with a club. I think it's all New Zealand hops. Let's um, hear, the, hear the review live for the first time ever. Oh, no. Cause we watch his face. Ah, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's, um, it's weird. It's kind of, a. Uh, it's New Zealandy. It's not really fruity. It's not really piney. It's, it's got a, the faintest hint of that Nelson-y, white wine viney yeah uh green kind of flavor oh, yeah. not not like off flavor but like the, the flavor that the nelson has but there's no nelson in it but the other hot varieties there in new zealand uh, what was it wahidi uh um, well i can't even remember there were some out there names i'll, I'll look them up but yeah there's yeah. just some some freaky hops i'd never used before smells smells good carbonation i just kegged it in power or uh force carved it last night so it needs a little more carbonation but It's uh solid. No off flavors. I did good. I did a good job. What about you, Jordan? 
Uh, well, you know, I suggested this as IPA, and turns out I'm a <laughs> bad craft brew owner, and I don't have any IPAs in the house. So, uh, <laughs> I, closest thing I had was Founders Pilsner, American Hop Pilsner. So close. Ish. No, no two-hearted nothing. No. Okay, I do have I do have one. I have one double two-hearted left, but I have to take care of a kid later, and it's basically mm. a barley wine, anyways. So true. You true. know. But so this is what I'm drinking. I got a couple of these sitting here. So this is this is what I'll be sipping on. Perfect. So Brandon, Brandon says he's drinking Bill's Big Brew. Brandon, do you know if he used the the New Zealand hops? I'll give you a second since you're not in here with us. You really should jump in sometime. But uh, no, this is this is interesting. I'll have to give you guys some. I should have got some for you before the show so we could have shared it on air and you could tell me it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I only do that with like, like seventy five percent of your beers. I'm sure this would have been like the twenty five percent. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. So cool IPAs, which we were just arguing about what the true history of IPA is, and uh, I think the 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 story out there. I'm gonna dive into it, Brian, even though we said we'll avoid it. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. Just get, let's get right uh, into it. <laughs> so the 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 common history of it was that or that people talk about was that uh, the, the beer was overly hopped. The beer was being shipped from Britain to India to the British soldiers, and it was overly hopped to provide shelf life and stability because hops is naturally a, um, a stabilizer or a preservative. Um, and then right before the show, Brian says that's bullshit. And doing a couple of searches. It's easy to find, you know, knockoff news sites that, that parrot that story, but Wikipedia kind of has your back, Brian. Oh, does it? Hey, all right. That's what I, did. I just pulled that up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't read the whole story, but it, Wait, it, can it I actually... see if Brian edited this Wikipedia? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it just had to do with the uh, tastes evolving, right? Like, like it was, it was really just like a, you know, now that you say it, I, I think I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. Burton, um, the, the, the company requested, uh, Burton Brewers, um, requested a strongly hopped, uh, beer from Allsup's Brewery. Um, and then merchants just began demanding it. Um, it sounds kind of like we have a, a mix of both. Like it sounds like somebody was requesting it to then ship it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't read it. Yeah, this um, doesn't really talk about anything. So it's just interesting. So people that are out there talking about how um, how it was a, a shelf stabilizer, myself included, that's what I used to talk about too. But now I have to study up on this. So. I know. I was going to say I'm going to research the shit out of it. We'll come back. Uh... Next yeah. week and actually have an answer. IPA 2.0. It was it was literally like 45 seconds before we hit the start broadcast button, and we're like, let's let's talk about the history of IPA first. And yeah, hey, was, uh, hey, Deb's watching. Cheers, Deb. Cheers, Thanks Deb. for hanging out with us last week. Uh, Brandon, no, I haven't read uh, Mitch Steele's IPA book, but I need to. The last one I read was, uh, um, uh freaking scott janishes so i need to i need to get on that 
So yeah, we have a ton of things to talk about as far as IPAs go. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason. No, I was kicking to you. Go for it. No, I mean, so uh, we can start in like a, a number of different places. Like I was thinking, um, there, there's obviously a number of different styles of IPAs out there. Uh, not even going into like the specialty IPAs, like white, Belgian, black, stuff like that. But we also have just different um, regional IPA tastes, like West Coast, Midwest, East Coast IPAs, session IPAs, double IPAs, or triple IPAs, even a thing. So maybe we start. Are triple IPAs a thing? Do you believe in in calling a triple IPA a triple IPA? I don't think so. Personally. <laughs> I'm kind of with you there. It's you know, it's like Jordan said earlier, you know, that Bell's uh, double too hard. It's damn near a barley wine. And I think at that point you, you get into that, um, you know, 12, 13, 14%, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and all the, the, just the, the over-aggressive hopping of them. And I think it is just a, a barley wine, a hopped barley wine or a strong ale. Have you, have you seen anybody doing even like a quadruple IPA? It's all like advertising, right? I think honestly, it is. like, Dad, I want to say Odd Sides did one. I had one. That sounds uh, it familiar. Was, it was horrible. Uh, nothing against Odd Sides, just that. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, that one was bad. But let me look it up. But uh, yes, Odd Sides has had one triple. Is it implication? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. In any case, I, I just uh, I think there gets to be a point with uh, with IPAs where like <clears throat> maybe like ten percent is about the max that I really care for in terms of like alcohol, and at that point in time, like uh, I guess we can start talking about like a, um, a bitter unit to. Uh, what gravity unit ratios and stuff like that, but yep. it just gets to be to the point where like you just can't balance it out anymore and still have like that much alcohol and just have it be like a good beer. It's yeah. very rare for me to have like a beer that's like or an IPA that's over like ten percent that I actually like. No. Be like, yeah, I'll drink like another one of these tonight, you know, or even or even that I want to finish in one sitting before it kind of goes warm. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was the implication. And just looking at rate beer, uh, rate beer actually has 120 listed as a quad IPA. Do they really? Yeah. yeah that's what is, what is 120 of these? It's like 18 percent ish. Yeah. It's like gotta be somewhere around there. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, it's getting to be the point where like, it's more of those, I guess you call it like a meme beer or something like that. It's a, it's just, I was just going to say gimmicky beer. It's, yeah, it's, at yeah. that point, it's a gimmick, you know, Dogfish Head has a really cool story about how they do their 60 and their 90 and their 120, and I can see where that fits into the hierarchy. And it's totally cool. And it yeah. is. But uh, now, you know, like Drew just mentioned, you know, there's a limit to perceptible bitterness. Whoops, you're nope. both doing it at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, there is a yep. limit, limit to perceptible bitterness. Uh, you know, there, there's that, that limit at where, you know, you have so much alcohol or so much unfermentable sugar uh, because you tried to go so big that you're, you're, you're stepping outside of that bounds. And I actually think, and I had it up earlier and I rebooted my computer right before the show, so I lost it, but the BJCP guidelines don't even really go into it, you know, and when you get into that triple IPA category or phase, they start bumping into um, old and strong ales and, and uh, outside of the IPA category because it just gets to be too, too much. So, mm-hmm. but 
that said, even in that range of, of what is an acceptable IPA, there's already damn near a dozen different variations that are recognized. Um, you know, and, and we know from entering competitions, you know, everybody in the world brews a different IPA. Everybody brews an IPA. So well, it's common damn beer. It's sort of funny that you even bring that up. I read uh, an interesting article the other day. Um, and boy, for the life of me, I can't remember where it was linked from. I might have seen it in Zimmergy and then went and found the actual article. Um, but uh, it was it was a... Uh, an opinion piece about calling or, or changing the name of New England IPAs to just like New England ales, simply because they don't even resemble what we call like an IPA anymore. Like on, on for a few different reasons, you know, one being um, that the haziness, I mean, in, in a traditional IPA, we just don't have that. The bitterness is lacking the, uh, the sharpness, the edge of the bitterness isn't there. Um, yep. So there, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really um, interesting piece and I, I started to sort of like sympathize with that opinion too a little bit, but um, I kind of wonder what, um, where the, where that's, you know, going to sort of go in the next few years here. Cause I mean, you mentioned the BJCP, the, the BJCP doesn't set the guidelines of what uh, brewers need to brew. Uh, it's the opposite, right? They watch right. trends and they try to, set guidelines for the trends of what people are actually brewing. So, um, and, and I mean, a New England IPA or like a, um, Vermont IPA, you know, is what they were called for a while too. Or, and, and some people swear they're two different things even. But uh, I mean, that's all made by, those names are made by us. I don't, it, the breweries have never called them New England IPA when they were putting them out. It right. just happens to be their like you know locale, right? Wasn't there some? Uh, I guess on that, wasn't there some contention around the name either being New England or Nebraskan? <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, there was one other too, uh, Northeast. Oh Northeast, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So you know, I think North. Uh, yeah, I, I so. Just looking at BJCP, going into that, and I know I know that BJCP follows guidelines or, or the the trends. You're right; it's it's not, it is the other way around. But you know, in in 2004, they had three IPAs. They had, uh, you know, uh, I think it's regular IPA, uh, strong IPA, and imperial IPA. You know, and huh. now t- today you go in in just the IPA category in the new 2018 uh, model. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> does that does that include New England as a um, specialty it, like beta? Nope. New England yeah. would be specialty. Um, but it does not include double. Even double got kicked to strong American ale. Yep. Uh, you know, so doubles, triples, everything like that's in another category. No, the, the guidelines right now are American and then specialty. And then inside specialty you have Belgian, black, brown, red, rye, and white. But of course, there's New England. Um, there's Brute. There's, oh, Brute! Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. even think uh, this whole time. I forgot about Brute. I think everybody's forgot about Brute by now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the founders Brute is pretty good, in my opinion. The, theirs and uh, Old Nations actually had a good one. Their their uh, um, B forty three. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, was pretty I solid. Speak, yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and then th- th- I just confirmed it before I said it, but you know the New England IPA, the original, the founder, the 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 first one was Heady Topper, mm-hmm. which was Vermont. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, Northeast New England, 
I get both of those. But uh, have you guys had Hetty Topper? I, I yeah. Have. I uh, so. <laughs> I'm going to do a lot of talking in this episode. I have lots and lots of opinions on all of these, these topics. So <laughs> this is, this I, if, I, <laughs> if, if I if I end up like talking over you guys, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try not to. But So Hetty Topper is a good beer. I like it. Um, yeah. But I think that that beer is different than what us in the Midwest consider New England IPAs. Absolutely. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. And, and like, I haven't done enough traveling um since the whole New England IPA craze started to really know what they're doing out on the West Coast as far as New England's go. Jason, you probably know, but um, I, again, have read a few articles, and as I understand it, there's a lot of, uh, they call it beer telephone being played. Um, so what I mean by that is somebody uh, brews a really good New England IPA. Uh, maybe you start with a heady topper or something like that. And then a brewery, you know, a little bit to the West, uh, brews something similar because they, you know, sort of maybe found a clone recipe or read on how to do it. And then another recipe, uh, sees that, you know, because they're their neighbor 50 miles off and it travels and travels and travels and travels. Nobody's actually had what the original was supposed to be. They just have the last person's interpretation of what the original was and the person's before that and the person's before that. And eventually you get, uh, in the Midwest, a New England IPA that uh, maybe is just a little more bitter than what you get over on the East Coast because we like that around here. That's how our um, that's how our tastes are. I think you know we like the the two hearteds that are like malty but still a little bitter. Um, I don't know anybody that really likes the New Englands that just sort of have one flat flavor that you taste as soon as you sip it and drink it and swallow it and burp it and it doesn't change. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like that's probably what happens over on the West coast too, but you, you might be able to answer that better than, than me. So I, I, I took a pilgrimage, uh, big four years ago. Um, me, Trent Rinky, if he's watching <laughs> and Al Moeller, uh, got in a truck and drove 3000 miles in three and a half days to go to Vermont to get heady topper. And out of that entire trip, I'll have to say Hetty Topper was probably the least spectacular beer that I drank. And, and I just wasn't impressed with it. You know, I, I think out here in the, in, in the middle where we're at, I, I had this, this uh, imagination or, or assumption or perception that New England IPAs were juicy and, you know, thick and, uh, you know, pillowy on the mouthfeel and, and fruity and citrusy and things like that. And I, I got there and, and it really just tasted like kind of a, a unfiltered, too hearted. Um, it wasn't anything really special. It was it was very piney resonance, very very bitter, and that's what I had in my mind had put towards West Coast. West Coast is all you know, big pine, redwood forest, and uh, you know, aggressive bitterness, and it's not at all what it was. Um, so I was kind of bummed out there. And then you're right, I do spend a lot of time in California. I did before pre-COVID, and I'll have to say that. Um, out there in California, they do advertise them as West Coast New England IPA, West Coast style New England IPA, or at least the breweries I go to. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. You know, like, uh, I mean, even you know, so so I'm in Southern California, so I'm hitting uh, Stone and Mickler and Noble and um, the Brewery Turo and 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 those places, and and those are the ones I, I kind of regularly frequent when I'm down there and. 
and and it does tend to be that west coast style is more piney and resinous but when they're brewing new england's they're brewing the big fruity juicy citra bombs um you know the the using the, the hops that you would expect mm -hmm. you know, citric galaxy mosaic um things like that uh and and they're they're great but having heady topper was a was a shocker and a, and a kind of a disappointment I um I don't, don't know if you remember my sometimes <laughs> I, my first New England IPA presentation at Keepers. <clears throat> I brought a can of Heady Topper um, that I got from I think it might have been Jack Bartman Jordan. Yeah, that's who I got mine from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, I I did like it. I I don't think it tasted nearly as bitter as what you describe it as, but it did taste a little one dimensional and sort of like candy. Yeah, I got. It has this weird candy that. taste. So I we were we sat. When we were there, Hetty Toppers delivered like one day a week. You find these little stores that it's delivered to, and you you get there at I think we got there at six a.m. and you sit there, and it was of course we decided to go in November, uh, so it's fucking cold as balls, <laughs> and uh, we're freezing our ass out. We we didn't really plan on this. We didn't bring blankets and stuff. I think I think Trent was wearing jogging pants or something Ugh. ridiculous. I don't know. So we were sitting there in the morning. It's freezing. It's snowing. You wait eight hours or whatever because the damn store doesn't open until 11 a.m. And then you get whatever you're allotted, wherever your place in line. They walk down. Like the first six people got a case. Second six people got a half case. Next people. And then the rest of the people got a four pack until it was out. You wow. Know? Yeah. So the three of us wound up coming. I think I was the line. It was Trent and Al got a case and I got half a case. So we got two and a half cases of Hetty. I don't know how far we, away we got before we cracked one open. Uh, so, but that just came. It was just delivered from the Alchemist, which was 15 miles away. So it had been canned the night before, <laughs> you know, delivered fresh to my hands, cracked, drank, and it was just so bombed out. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's like a thing too. I so too all, fresh? All, all, all these breweries, yeah, all these breweries are like they're advertised like a you know, drink fresh, just canned, like, you know, two days ago and this and that. And I mean, this is only from like a homebrewing standpoint, but I've never had a IPA that I've made that I've enjoyed until, I mean, enjoyed more until like maybe a week after it was yep. tagged and sitting and, and conditioned and everything kind of started to blend together. And honestly, yeah. even two weeks out, maybe sometimes my beer, you know, my IPA start to taste like, like their peak. So I will say that my, my favorite thing about that trip, and if anybody ever gets a chance to go, it wasn't Alchemist, wasn't Head Topper. That might be your thing. That's cool. But Hill Farmstead mm. was, uh, and I'm not a religious guy, but that was a spiritual experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, I uh, uh, do need to make it out there. I mean, you, you are going through the back-ass woods, two tracks, middle of nowhere. You're like, oh. you know, I would be... I, I we I think we we both fully thought we were lost if it wasn't for some little hipster Prius that we were following on these two tracks and I'm I'm in my truck and and I'm like well if they're going we're going and then you get there and it's it's on the top of this mountain and uh, one of the most beautiful breweries I've ever been to hmm. um it was my most expensive bottle of beer until like this year uh, what was it. I was say, yeah, what what topped it, and what what did you get from Hill Farmstead? So I bought. So they have they're they're very limited on what you can drink there and what you can buy there. Like you're only allowed to consume, I think, two uh, twenty ounce two pints on site, or 
uh, and if you order a bottle, you have to pay a capping fee and you have to share it with somebody or something. There is some weird, weird rules. So I had ordered a bottle of, I think it was 2014 civil disobedience, which is like their barrel age Solera sour. Um, it was 30 ish dollars a bottle plus a $20 capping fee to drink it on site. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we split it three ways. Al doesn't like sours. I, he took a sip and then I took it cause I'm not letting that beer go to waste and Trent and I split it and, and I uh, went out on the back uh, deck and I looked out and there's this rolling meadow down to a pond and there was, this was a fucking movie, dude. There was a deer, there was fog, <laughs> there was birds tweeting and shit. And it was just, it was fucking amazing. So, uh, but no, what, what beat it? God, I can't remember. Well, I mean, Amy recently ordered, and she's listening, she'd probably yell at me, but she recently accidentally ordered some uh, $8 crawlers of mango over on, <laughs> you know, so the per ounce on that one might have been. Crowler, <laughs> though. Crowler. <laughs> Not a crowler. Yeah. Uh, it was a 16. They, they, they're labeling They advertise ounce. them as crawlers. They're not and, crawlers. And, and we all we all know crawlers as, like, you know, 32-ounce cans, but yep. Bells, Bells yep. is saying can growler. doesn't matter the size. So, yeah. Hey, I got a couple growlers right here. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like there was a beer, and it's it's slipping me right now. I feel like there was a beer though, uh, not too long ago, that I paid actually more for. I'll, I'll try to remember it. But the Hill Farm said beer was, it was worth it. It was amazing. Uh, beautiful brewery. Be- I mean, really, it's state of the art brewery on the top where, of that where, mountain. Where are they located again? They out in Massachusetts, Vermont. Oh, they're in Vermont. Yeah, they're in Vermont. Um, you get people laughing at you saying that thirty dollars a bottle is the most expensive you've ever spent on a beer. That was at that time. Now I was <laughs> I was a beer baby at that. I mean, we're talking 2014, 15. I just started. I mean, I just, I've only been in brewing since 2013. I think. Okay. Yeah, about the same, I think, roughly. I mean, and and I've drank more expensive beers, but I haven't, I haven't bought. You know, I didn't pay, uh, you know, for like that. What's that Sam Adams ridiculous two hundred dollar bottle? Oh, Utopius. Utopius. You know, I've 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 had Utopius. I didn't pay for it. Uh, I, I've had some of those big mega pastry stouts. Um, oh. You know, Dark Lord, and which, sorry, it sucks. Uh, <laughs> darkness uh you know they're, the, the, their pastries the their, their variants are pretty good typically but yeah, yeah. The, the normal one is but no at the time that was the most expensive beer so 50 dollars. it was 50 because i included the capping fee okay 50 bucks for what what ultimately turned into a like a 20 ounce pour uh well yeah we've uh yeah I've got, if you've been out to shrams uh i think one ounce pours of a uh, uh what is it heart of darkness are uh gosh what are those 20 bucks a pour i think maybe that's something like that 20 20 20 25 bucks for one ounce yeah that's uh i mean it was good i i don't want to say it was like life changer or anything like that it's like okay i know i know what the end goal of like a amazing like no water like yeah, Harry Mead should be or something like that. But well, my fifty bucks got me a spiritual experience. On <laughs> so, and and look at Bill. Like, yeah, Dark Lord tastes like. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna point I out. I totally agree. It's just 
awful. I just saw today, in fact, that they're doing a. Um, so you know how their their tap room is apparently closed like indefinitely, indefinitely you know, yeah. until whenever if that is even a thing. But um, they have like a backlog of Dark Lords and and maybe other beers that they're trying to sell or something. So they apparently something like that is going on. But could you imagine like? So I don't want to judge anyone. I hate being the guy that like judges people for their like tastes and buying and stuff like that. But my recommendation would be if you're looking to spend like any amount of money on like a 2017 regular dark Lord or something like that, like you can, you can put that money towards like, uh, like, like a fun to start making beer. Yeah. We will, we will all help you make beer. That's just as good. My first Dark Lord experience, and I know we're getting off topic, but I <laughs> I know we have the IPA episode. IPA, now, we're, now we're on Dark Lord. <laughs> I, I, I cracked that Dark Lord. We poured a, a snifter, tasted it, set the bottle aside, and never went back to it. It was just, and w- woke up the next morning, it was still sitting out by the fire where we were at. So there, there are things like sometimes you just have to know. Like I, 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 I get it, Brandon. Like I would, I'd probably do it too. Like yeah, I'd, I'd you, you, ha- you have to kind of set your bar somewhere and like, know, like, Hey, does it actually get any better than I've experienced before? And, and if it does, like, if it's worth it, then like, I mean, maybe you keep on going a little bit, but if like you spend that 25, $50 and it's like, wow, this is not what uh, it was cracked up to be then. Yeah, I think yeah. and and, and that's though. that started to happen for me in the last couple of years. I've uh, yeah. So I'm gonna try and bring it back. Now I'm gonna crack and again. Arvon Brewing. Switch lanes. So right here, you know, we, I just I just listed the the IPA categories, which one is rye IPA, and then of course there's everybody knows New England. So this is by Arvon Brewing. I haven't had this before. It was just canned. Looks like about six weeks ago. This is a rye New England. Okay. IPA. Interesting. I don't know if I've ever had a New England with rye. I don't know if I have either. You know, there's a secret. If you throw like a half a pound of rye into your grist, uh, you can help get that little bit of a snappy bite at the end. If you're going for more of a a crisp, clean IPA, adding mm-hmm. just just a touch of rye into your your grain bill can help. Uh, I've I've been saying it for the past like oh how old's my kid? Eight weeks. So past seven weekends, I'm gonna I'm gonna brew, but. Damn it! It's we're coming up on a holiday weekend. I'm gonna maybe I'll do that. I want to brew an IPA, so I haven't I haven't had one on tap in a while. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking if you're looking for that, like like I said, a crisp, clean finish on your IPA or any of your beers, really, you can uh, adding a little bit of rye to your, your grain bill can help with that, yeah, that finish. A, and uh, so so when you taste rye, like in a, in an IPA or something, what do, what do you get as far as flavors go? Because the uh, the overwhelming response that you'll get online is, oh, I get spiciness, I get pepper, and and really more people associate that because of like rye bread and the uh, what's the spice that's in rye bread? Um, <laughs> I want to say pumpernickel, but that's another type of bread. The uh, I've never made rye bread. I, I don't know this. I, I don't know that. I can't come up with a name you you get, but I I hate rye bread with a passion, and. Uh, the caraway seeds. Oh, yes. Yeah, caraway. caraway. Yeah, yeah. But rye in beer is one of my favorite ingredients. And uh, and I don't get a rye bread flavor off a of rye beer at all. No, um, no. I definitely, I, I do. I would agree with 
you know, what Brian said he found online is I do get a bit of a spiciness, but it's kind of like a, it's like a snappiness, I guess, is what you're saying. Kind of spiced, not, not caraway or bready. And so I made a, I don't know if you guys tried it when I made it. I'm sure you guys did. Do you remember my rye wine that I made last year? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get my bottle open on my pants. I'm swear I'm not like doing something funky. Sorry, um, <laughs> just seeing your guys' faces does things to you me. Do, you do you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, that thing was, uh, I want to say 40-ish at least percent rye. And I still don't think I got any of those flavors. If anything, I think I got more of like a chocolate milk sort of flavor. Um, yeah. I, but so what it does do is, it, I mean, those things are full of uh, beta-glucans. And and that shit will give you a creamy beer, like I would say. Um, so this again, no spice. No, this is a, a rye New England hop to the mosaic in Idaho Seven. No spiciness, no peppery, super creamy. What you just said. This is a creamy, thick, pillowy, fluffy damn mouthfeel so i've been wanting um, to try that in my new england's maybe you're you're convincing me maybe i i need to try a pound and then see where it gets me yeah it is um it's really good it, but it's it's still got it's got a little bit of the fruitiness i'm not sure i would put the i'm not a big huge fan of idaho seven which i know i think i think i think there's somebody or in here that's that's your favorite hop right idaho seven idaho seven not me I've never, it, I've never used it. God, is it like Brandon then or somebody? There's somebody in the club that's like, Ido 7 is their fucking jam. I thought, I thought Drew used it a while ago. Mm. I don't know if he was a huge fan of it. I can't recall. But I, uh, my, 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 my scar has healed from that, by the way. I think that was like our first episode or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, this is really... Arvon... Arvon's doing, doing good work. I wasn't super impressed with Pink Lady or whatever the hell that was, but the other stuff, the Coffee Blonde, this New England, what what was the other one I gave you, Brian? The, um, this is good. This is good. I don't remember. the only The only thing, and this isn't like a dig at Arvon; it's a dig at a trend. The only thing I wish they would stop doing <clears throat> this is the same thing a ton of breweries are doing, and that's uh, adding fruit to their kettle sours and then canning it like right away. Um. There, right. I've seen Dangerous. in the last couple of days like three, four posts of exploding cans from Arvon. And, oh, really? Uh, I have yep. not seen that. And and I get it. Like I get why you want to do it and and retain you know the, the extra sugars from the fruit and stuff like that. But man, I just feel like there's got to be a better way to do it. Like I would agree. I don't. I don't know why. I, I don't own a brewery, but I don't know if I would ever do that. And I then don't have fruit before bottling anything. People, either. people like excuse the breweries from doing this too. And it's like, Oh, I know I should have like stored it cold and I should have drank it, you know, no. you know, two days ago when I first bought it, like you can't store your beer for two days. Like, I don't know. But anyway, I'm going off topic again. IPAs, IPAs, IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> so what's out of all the different varieties. And I, I'll, I'll start with this. Like what is, I would ask, what's the favorite I think Brian would probably say New England, but I'll let you answer. But like, I my jam, my favorite IPA is actually the Black IPA. Yeah. I will. I'm I'm not going to agree, but I love Black IPAs. Not going to agree. I, they're my favorite. Why? Why is that your favorite? 
So I, I love stouts and I love dark beers and I know I've, I've, I've talked to, to people before and it seems like a lot of home brewers are, are initially intimidated by black beers, which I don't understand. But I just, when I started brewing, I got into black beers pretty quick with my coffee stout, uh, milk stouts, raspberry stouts. And uh, I, I, I had a good, what I thought was a good IPA recipe. And I had a, a stout recipe that I was working on, my coffee stout recipe that I was really happy with. And I just said, why don't I take the grain bill from the stout and the hop profile from the my IPA and put them together and see what happens. And it's my, it's like the favorite beer that I, I make. Uh, I do enjoy a good black IPA. They're one of my favorites. I like it. It's thick. It's, uh, it's malty. It's malt bitterness that complements the hot bitterness. Uh, so you get that like, okay, Brian, go back to what you said earlier, you know, that kind of single profile or, or mm, single note, mm-hmm. you know, and I think with a black IPA, I get a lot more notes. I get that. It's, it's impossible characteristics, right? Yeah. Yeah. So super, super happy with it. Uh, someday it'll be on tap at Arclight, uh, if Ed's listening, but we have to call it a Cascadian Cascadian dark ale. ale because he, <laughs> I guess some, at some point he swore that he would never put a black IPA on tap. <sighs> Fucking bastard. So fine. <laughs> you know, and when we were doing the show, because he's given me so much shit for it, we, him and I go back and forth a lot. But when we were doing the show, I asked him what beer he wanted to have on to drink on the show. And he re, his first reply back was Cascadian Dark Ale. And I told him the told him the, the shitty brewery that was supposed to brew it never fucking came through. So, <laughs> uh, so that's why we wound up with Creek, but um, no, I just, that's, that's my favorite style. I love the black IPA. I love, I love the malt characteristics that, that bitterness. Um, I joked around, you were over last week, right? I found mm-hmm. a, I, I had a case. I have a case of like year and a half old black IPA and, I joked around like, what does that black IPA turn into when it's old? It's a hoppy stout. It's not wrong. It's, it's like, it's like added life. Okay. I lost, I, I, you know, I, I lost a case of it in my, my collection and I found it and it's still drinkable because now it's just, it's just an age stop stout with some hop, uh, hop characteristics. Why do you think that style faded out of popularity? Like, like why was that a fed and why are New England still a thing? I don't black IPA specifically. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people like stouts. I think the I think the average beer drinker, and 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 the I, I think the average craft beer drinker and the people at brew, the people at brewery hop. I think they're intimidated by stouts. I, I think I think they're intimidated by bitter stouts, like because you'll see pastry IPAs and sweet stouts. Oh sure, you can. You're right. Yeah. You can sell the candy and the dessert yeah. and yeah. and stuff like that. It's got more appeal. But I I just think in general people see stouts and they think big, you know strong uh you know these these heavy ales which is opposite you know i mean a a a a brewed a traditionally brewed not a session ipa but a traditionally brewed ipa will have more calories and more alcohol than a black ipa uh darker malts have less fermentable sugars and and are you know are naturally less uh Sweet. Now, I mean, of course, you know, but everybody think or less sweet, less sugar, less calories. But but the trend with stouts nowadays is imperial and big, you know, and, and that kind of blows that whole philosophy out of the water. But if you brewed, uh, uh, you know, the same uh, kind of green bill, same pound for pound, uh, regular IPA to black IPA, that black IPA is going to be, I think, more drinkable, less calories. 
so like a typical IPA is um, maybe uh, you know American IPA is base malt, some crystal malt, and 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 probably that's it. I mean, you can maybe yeah. maybe wheat, maybe oat, I mean whatever. But like but little, like, but little, yeah. yeah. Little. So with a black IPA, you're adding in like roast mm-hmm. flavor too, potentially, or um, or or something. Like, do you, do you think that like that might have anything to do with it? Like breweries just not being able to get the balance right. Like, yeah, because it, it wasn't tried and true when black IPAs were a thing, right? People were putting out maybe one or two and then calling it quits. Like, I don't know anybody that actually perfected the black IPA that I can think of that, you know, made, made it one of their flagship beers. No. Okay. Making a flagship beer. No, I think. So my opinion on when bells did the uh, planet series, Uranus was the, the best beer of the bunch and they won't rebrew it though. You know, they, they brought, they've rebrewed what Venus and Mars, maybe yep. Jupiter, Jupiter was sorry, bells, Jupiter's shit. Uh, Uranus, <laughs> yeah. Uranus, Uranus. <laughs> um, the other, the other thing, speaking of bells, Ian Gould, I, I don't think he's watching, but Ian in our club, uh, who works at bells, uh, brews a black IPA that is fantastic. I and, remember having that. Yeah. And I, I've never been in a situation where I can have my black IPA and his black IPA side by side. Uh, cause I really do think they're very similar and they're very well balanced and, uh, and yeah, Ian's is fantastic. Um, I want to brew a black IPA, but now really, yeah, man, you gotta do it. You got, you got to agree or I agree, Ron. Yeah. I but honestly don't remember. I don't remember what it tasted like. So now I'm sad. I, I drank so much of that. I really love the beer. Um, so but you're is. right. I don't know anybody that has a. Uh, flagship black IPA. I don't even know anybody that has like a regularly appearing black IPA. I, I know yeah. whenever I go out and I see a black IPA, it's like, you gotta have it. Black IPA is black lagers. Yep. I, are Short things that I look for. Yeah. The only place that I can think of that ever really had one like consistency was that, was that Arcadia with Beecraft black? Was that a black IPA? Or is that just a black beer? The only other one I can think of, is, I think it's called Level Nine. Sorry, I muted myself. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But okay, it was cool. seasonal. Yeah. Um, okay. um, but yeah, you're right. And that was actually a really good beer. That was one of the few beers from Arcadia I would regularly seek out and drink. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and, and it was like a double, too. I want to say that thing was strong as shit, like 8 9%. Yeah, Travis. <laughs> Travis is saying Beecraft because that was one of his favorite beers, too. Oh, good to see he's on here. Yeah. yeah, I didn't Black. even think about that. Yeah, good call. Maybe we'll see that resurrected. A quick rate beer search. Yeah, now that Shorts took over their brand, hopefully that recipe resurfaces. Yeah, Travis says it was a double black IPA. What does Shorts has a black IPA too, though? So there's another one that I've actually been drinking a, uh, a fair amount recently. I, any, I buy it anytime I find it. It's called Level 92 from Keweenaw. Oh. I'm looking it up on Beer Advocate here, and it has a label that's a black IPA or Cascadian Dark Ale. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all there. I think yeah, we have to call them. I have to call it Cascadian Dark yeah. Ale. <laughs> but so we were we were throwing out some names when we were going to put it on an arc light, and one of the names he came up with was Niss of Death. Ah, I like it. Come on, isn't that awesome? Someday, if you're listening, Ed, you asshole. 
for for the uh, uninitiated, Jason's last name is Nith. <laughs> yes, the IPA, Black Ale, or Cascadian Dark Ale, whatever. Um, so, what's your favorite style of IPA, Jordan? Now that I've gone down mine, I'm I'm gonna have to go with the the tried and true uh, West Coast. Um, really, that's just. I mean, by and large, and now, granted, I'm saying that basing that off of like I would anybody if anybody asked me my favorite beer, I'm gonna say Two Hearted, just because it's consistent, it's easy to drink. It was one of the first craft beers I ever got into, um, so that's just by and large been my favorite beer for a while. I have no problem buying it anytime, any time of the year. So, you know, and that's that's really where that goes. Is you know, if I'm gonna say a specific style is my favorite, it's gonna be West Coast, just because. Yeah, I enjoy those, you know, uh, I guess cleaner and crisper IPAs. But but that being said, though, like I love M43. The B-Craft was amazing. Like I'm kind of an equal opportunist when it comes to IPAs. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I think when I, I come into it, I like the fruitier citrusy IPAs versus the piney resinous IPAs. But. I get it. Too hard is solid. It's not my favorite, favorite beer, but whenever yep. I'm out, you know, it's, you're right. It's dependable. It's consistent. And yep. And best, it, best beer in the, or best IPA in the country for what, three years now? Three, three years in a, yeah, three years in a row. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that being said, I love that piney and that resinous uh, type stuff that those IPAs that you get over on the West Coast, like the, what was it? Um, Deschutes came out with a beer a while ago, and I haven't seen it in a long time. Called Pine Drops. Mm. Uh, oh, I forgot about that beer. Yeah, yeah. That was that was delicious, uh, but I haven't I haven't seen. It, it kind of came out shortly after Fresh Squeezed. Fresh Squeezed is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I would agree too. Fresh Squeezed is amazing, but I would just because I like that piney and resinous flavor, I put Pine Drops a little little higher than that, and I just don't see it anymore. I don't know why. I'd love to get my hands on some more. You, uh, you know what beer that I never, I, I don't think I've ever seen a homebrew clone recipe of is a uh, uh, Hemperer. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I mean, obviously they use hemp in one way or another in the beer, but I would, I would, I wonder like how, and like what the process is because that beer smells like straight up marijuana, and it's and it's like bitter but still balanced and it's just like it's a freaking pleasure to drink i don't think i've ever had a hemp beer that i liked really i I haven't tried that one do you Um, associate it with like smoke or anything like that or is it just like the flavor it's the flavor so i'm not i'm not huge on the flavor of weed yeah okay you know i prefer weed and candy and chocolate that i don't have to taste but um that's yeah, I think it's the flavor. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Even when I, you know, when I was younger and I used to smoke, because I can't smoke anymore because I, I quit smoking. Never I quit smoking, I can't smoke anything. So I have to eat. I get my THC through edibles. Um, <laughs> That's a great way. It's just legal it. for all of us Michigan folks. I, I enjoy it, uh, <laughs> but um, but no, I, I uh, yeah, I was never even when I, I used to smoke when I was younger. I never really liked the flavor of it. It's never been my thing. So maybe that's it. I get it. Um, so Brian, New England's. I do. You, do you, you just, you just, yeah, yeah, freaking like. Come on, come on, yeah, no. 
<laughs> so yeah, I I've I've been brewing New England's since um, before M forty three was out. Um, since before New England's were popular in Michigan, I started bringing them to our home brew club before anybody even knew what a New England IPA was. Um, and that was mostly just because I like, I read about beer, like still to this day, like all the freaking time I've, I've every day I'm still reading about like trends and posts and stuff like that. But I think that New England's I like brewing the most because they're the most challenging and I do screw up my good fair share of them still, but there's 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 just a few extra things that like that you kind of have to accomplish to make like a good New England that I think uh, when you really actually nail like it gives you that extra like boost of self esteem where you're like yeah like I absolutely fucking killed this beer um, but, like do you care if I like if I if I gush on like go for it man for a little bit like i don't i don't (laughs) know brian (laughs) i don't don't want to like take over the conversation (laughs) just like and talk and talk and talk because like i i've I've given new england presentations in the past but so we want you to stop talking we'll just no (laughs) for the uninitiated so a new england i think uh uh differentiates itself from a normal like american ipa in a few different ways so they are typically hazy uh, and I'll get into why that is in a minute. Yep. Yep. Check. In fact, it isn't. I can't. It kind of. Yeah. It comes yeah, up. It looks like bad. orange juice. Yeah, yeah. This. So this is my my very last cream school IPA. Uh, so yeah. more of a milkshake. But I'll get into that too. Um, <laughs> um. So typically a little hazy, a little bit more of a pillowy mouthfeel. Um, a lot of that is due to water, and I'll kind of get into that. I swear I'm going to blow through this. I'm not going to like fucking hog up the mic or anything like that. I just fucking love talking about so, this shit. Don't you fucking sigh. One hour Brian scientific. Oh, oh it's going to be so good. No, oh, it's going to be great. That, uh, Doc Byron over here. That's... And uh, and they typically use uh, more like uh, juicy hops, right? Like uh, um, more citrus flavors, more berry flavors, more you know, tropical flavors. A real hard time juicing my hops. Bad, bad dad joke. <laughs> bad dad joke. <laughs> yeah. I right, nothing, failure. Right, no, it's good, going, Brian. <laughs> my, my flounder. <laughs> um, no, so I, I, I don't, I don't even. Everybody that's listening probably, or at least a, a bunch of people, know how to make like a New England IPA. But um, there's a, a few differentiating factors as I pick a fruit fly out of my beer. Um, so. Almost every other, in fact, this is this is kind of a recent thing. Like, uh, when did you guys start messing with your water when you started brewing beer? Never. Well, you have nice well water, but maybe you should look into it. Why my beer is good, but is it good for every style? You just uh, every you just style I brew, I do. Could it be better? Really. He's, he's really do you want to do you want to go there, Brian? Do you really want to go there? No. Every every beer that I've ever entered, that never mind. Yeah, my my water's good. I, I maybe I've I never adjusted it. Well. So so in New England's typically are very high on the chlorides. So uh, New England's will have uh, 
a softer, like a more pillowy mouthfeel because the chloride in the water is typically a little bit higher. Um, that's like one thing about making a New England that differs from pretty much any other IPA that's like on the market right now, because almost every other IPA wants like a sharper, more bitter forward, like tasting beer. Right. Um, as far as like the haze goes, um, the haze is primarily there because I th a lot of it's due to like the malt bill, um, and, uh, when the, the hops are added and stuff like that. Um, traditionally, like before, like New England's were even a thing, like who would even consider adding hops to their beer? Like right as their, uh, yeast is like, like just started to take off or like at high crowds and, or something like that. Like it was unheard of. It's not in any single, like post or, or anything that I've ever seen, like in the past. Or even the Whirlpool edition. Like why or, do you Whirlpool, Whirlpool edition. Yeah. Right. I was going to say that, that is the, probably the one step or a hop rest or whirlpool, whatever you want to call it, is probably the one step that improved my IPAs or hop game in any beer. Yeah, I, I still do that for any of my IPAs now, but for, for the uninitiated, like a, a whirlpool edition or like a, uh, a hop steep, um, the, the temperature varies a little bit from person to person and who you ask, but typically uh, you would add hops as you're cooling down your beer under 180 degrees, maybe even closer to 170, um, and, and let them sit there for a while uh, you know, sometimes 15, 30 minutes. The, the reason being is that hops have a particular uh, acid uh, in them uh, called alpha acids that isomerize above a particular temperature, uh, which is like around 180 or so. And when these alpha acids isomerize, they become 10 times more bitter uh, than they are right out of the package. Um, so, so hops are bitter regardless. Like if you've ever eaten a hop, you know that it's nasty and bitter. But um, when that hop gets boiled, and the longer it's boiled, those alpha acids in the hops isomerize longer and add more bitterness to the beer. New England's aren't bitter, or typically we don't want them that bitter. And so to get all the flavor in the beer, but to not get the bitterness, they're added at a lower temperature to still help absorb hop oils and those like terpenes and everything that's in the hops but not isomerize those alpha acids um, and in, uh, in high amounts, really high amounts. I mean, I, I use for my New England's between 12 ounces and a pound uh, of hops for a five-gallon batch. And, and if you look at any other IPA recipe, I mean, four ounces is like pretty good. Like uh, maybe even six ounces after you include like a dry hop or something like that. So... The New England's are kind of expensive because they do uh, tend to really want to pump out those those uh, flavors. Science, um, <laughs> but uh, distracting. So <laughs> no, you're right. Like the 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 milkshakes we just did. I mean, there's like ten ounces in dry hop. Like I, I could brew five beers and not use ten ounces of hops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super crazy. And there's, um, and speaking of lactose, um, Jason, this, this might be interesting for you and, and you may not even know it, but, um, what's that particular protein, um, that helps with, um, oils when you eat like a hot pepper, like when you drink milk, it's a, breaking uh, down that lipid Cassian. Is that it? Okay. Um, casein, something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Kaysen is. I don't think David Jones is listening right now. He tells. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go with you. Sure. So I, I'm just really bad at it. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is Kaysen. Is it? Yes. Um. So Kaysen um contains like a crap ton of proline or proline or I, I, again another chemical that I'm I'm not good at pronouncing, but um. When 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 we get into talking about like haze and stuff like that, um, a haze in a New England IPA, a lot of people uh, get this confused. They think that haze is just like leftover like residual like yeast and stuff in solution that's just going to like drop out. And then you're shaking your head because you know it's yeah, not right. Not right. Uh, thanks, Drew. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, um, so really the the haze in a new england ipa is a it's like a colloidal haze that's formed from the bonding of polyphenols which typically come from hops and from proteins which are typically added from like the malts and uh going back to lactose so uh lactose oh. actually the the cassian casein the casein, casein. <laughs> has a crap ton of uh, proline in it actually casein casein Okay. okay. Um and and different proteins um like uh uh like casein um it I am trying to think. Has something to do with the amount of like it's called proline in the uh in the casein and, and different different proteins basically have a uh, smaller like uh like molecular sizes which tend to keep in suspension in the wort like as the uh as the beer is like fermenting and stuff like that and so the the protein that is added by lactose actually can potentially be beneficial to haze uh, production like in a new england and that's kind of why um malted uh um, anything like malted wheat especially uh is important too when you malt like barley or wheat or something like that the uh, proteins in the grain are affected and they become smaller and when they're smaller they weigh less and when they weigh less it's easier for them to stay in suspension right um which gives them the opportunity to bind with polyphenols that are uh, also in solution uh from the hops and, and create like a haze like that up to a point um i read a study not too long ago that uh something like it was, it was something like 15 to 20 percent i think this was in scott janish's book of uh of like a total malt bill addition of, of like malted wheat um began to um negatively affect like the haze production in beer um because the thought was that like these proteins would interact with each other and bind and become again heavier and start sinking down to the bottom yeah, and uh, and different yeasts consume proteins uh, too at different levels, or like uh, drag them down, or in other ways use them. So it's like a whole freaking complicated process to produce like like nice flavors, a hazy beer, um, a soft pillowy beer, and I think the haze also is important. A lot of people say, oh, you know, haze should be a uh, a uh, um, it, it should not be something that's focused on it. It should be 
um, something that comes naturally as the as you as you produce like a New England IPA should be like the main focus. It should be a byproduct. And uh, I think that's true to a point, but I think that we all have this like natural bias when we drink beers like this. Like you look at this beer, and uh, and maybe you compare it to something you had in your childhood, like like orange juice or something like that. Like we all eat and drink with our eyes before anything else, right? And and when we see something that looks like bright orange and has a little bit of like foam on it or something like that, what are we going to think it tastes like? Are we thinking it tastes like chocolate, or are we going to think it tastes like right? You know, something like thick and pulpy and stuff like that. And so, if I were to set down a beer in front of you that's crystal clear and orange, or like really thick hazy orange, and I told you that they both taste exactly the same. Um, and this might be dependent, you know, on how you grew up and stuff too, but you know, which do you choose? And for me, I choose the one that's thicker and hazier because that's why I associate with flavor, I guess. Um, and so when I see a beer that I want to taste, you know, juicy and, and stuff like that, I want it to have that, uh, that look about it too, to, uh, kind of help push that agenda i guess you know it's it's almost like a brewing trick i guess but i think it i think it kind of makes sense but that's my that's my new england spiel I, I think that's why i like brewing them so much i don't think i've brewed the exact same like recipe or anything like that like more than a couple times i tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and i still don't think i've any, nailed anything down perfectly but that's uh i mean no that, that, it, that's what's fun for me i've i've just started getting into the the um new england's and it's it's inspired off you and 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 your uh methodology and and i mean i've only really done the one well two uh the the creamsicle ipa that i did last week uh you know was inspired off another beer but that beer and that brewer i think was kind of inspired off of your shit i don't know if i ever told you that but that's another story um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted that 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 big fruity, creamy orange juice, like you said, with your eyes. And we we did that milkshake IPA mm-hmm. uh, with cream, orange creamsicle, and it was amazing. And now I've redone it in. Uh, I wanted berries, and I used Brambling Cross and Mosaic for blueberries and black currants. And I can't wait a, to taste that. Uh, That'd be good. It's in the kegerator right now, crashing, and it's it it's it's pretty fantastic. I redid it with Citra and uh, Sabro for sort of a coconut vanilla. So we'll have to do another. That was that. That would be awesome. (laughs) And now I I feel like I have to brew one of these. And and Um, Drew says that too. I yeah. So brown stout is totally appropriate, like style wise, right? It's totally appropriate. But like, I just find it more unappealing. No, I want mine black. Yeah, I, I actually remember. I don't know where David Jones was at once, but he was at some brewery with Joanne, and he's texting me pictures of of a stout that he ordered. And I think he's like showing. It, it wasn't this bad, but he's basically like you can read through it. You know, he's like holding it up to the menu, and you can see through it and actually tell words. And he's like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, <laughs> and he was so offended that they're calling this shit a stout, and you can see through it. And I was like. So I was running out and pulling samples of my stouts and being like, you know, putting a flashlight behind them and you couldn't even see light through Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's yeah. what a stout's supposed to be like. The same thing with New England. You know, yeah, I want it. I, this, I'll tell you what, this, on camera, it kind of comes through. It's kind of 
dish watery brown. Oh, yeah, kinda, <laughs> like, a, kinda, like a gray water look. So, yeah, like uh, if this is the color you get off of a rye New England, maybe don't do that. Like, I don't know. It, the beer's fine, but it looks like shit. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, but, and, yeah. yeah. So, to bring this then back, then, uh, so we have seven other varieties of IPAs. Uh, and I think everybody picks on brute, but uh, <laughs> what do you think is like the least represented, least favorite IPA style? I couldn't tell you the last time I had anything that was called a white IPA. I don't even know yeah. what a white. IPA I don't even know. Is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in the BJCP guidelines, but I don't know what that actually means. Um, An IPA with a lot of wheat. I don't know. I, I don't think I've. I think I've had one. Yeah, I I, I can't actually remember ever having a white IPA. And I will say that the few Belgian IPAs I've had. Shorts, I think Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. Is that a Belgian IPA? I want to say it is. Which is, yeah. yeah I, I Hitchhiker's is an amazing book. But um, that beer is pretty good. But yeah, in, in our household, we generally don't dig the Belgian flavors all that much. It's just, it's hard to drink a lot of at a time. Kind of. White, you know, so uh, Drew Stout says, well, here, white stout's a thing, white IPA, not so much. Bill's saying it's a yeast thing. It's, yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a wit yeast. I can get that. Uh, I, or, I didn't mean to take that off. I can say it would be a pretty rare, if, if I was brewing with a wit yeast, a wheat beer, I just don't want, I just, I don't want those overly hoppy characteristics, I think. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a good. So good the, the Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster is a Belgian double IPA. Belgian double. Okay. Yeah. I don't like it. I've had it, and I don't. I don't care for it. I don't know if I've had many Belgian IPAs that I'm. I'm a huge fan of. I mean, they're they're, they're good for one at a time but, for me. Yeah. yeah. It's something that's interesting. Uh, Drew, but Drew says white stouts a thing. White IPA not so much. So the white stouts. You know, originally we're a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, um, was, it was a brewery out west fucking around with people. Is uh, that J.P. Was, Casper? Uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't it White Buffalo? Or White Buffalo and the, and the beer is J.P. Casper or something like that? Yeah. yeah I think so. Um, but the whole thing there was they were they were doing an interview or something, and they told some – and I'm, I know I'm getting this loosely wrong. They told somebody like – they were making fun of somebody with a white stout. And then after the interview, they they went back and they kind of went like, well, let's fucking do it, you know? And, <laughs> and so they brewed this golden, uh, golden stout, white stout. Uh, and now they're, they're rocking, man. Like white stouts are good. <laughs> Have you had a, a founder's Marvel roast? We talked about it. Like four I haven't had ago. it yet. Yeah. It no, just, it just came out and, uh, yeah, it's a uh, bits everything you would want in like a white stout, coffee, so, chocolate, vanilla, and it's blonde. Yeah, so my it's my favorite is favorite beer in California. Like I every it used to be, it used to be every time I went to California, the first thing I did, I get off the plane, I I I'd go to this brewery and get this beer, and uh, and then I go out there a lot before COVID, and so it just got to be too much where I couldn't make it every single time. But it's called Naughty Sauce by Noble Ale Works. And it's a white uh, Java Mocha 
uh, stout on nitro. You've told me about that beer, but I didn't realize it was a, a white stout. I yeah. thought it was like a stout stout. No, it's a white oh. stout. It's, oh. a, it's, a, it's a white stout, uh, Java Mocha white stout on nitro. They vary in it up. You know, they, they do, uh, they have one variant called yoga pants, which is with pump, pumpkin spice, oh, uh, yes. flavoring, which is horrible. <laughs> they do, uh, they do like a cinnamon crunch variation, which is nasty. Uh, they do a pineapple one, which is actually pretty good, but the, the original naughty sauce, uh, is probably one of the best beers I've ever drank. And it's a fucking white stout, uh, white stout on nitro. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So I was, I was really excited because you don't, you don't see a whole lot of white stouts on the market. And I was excited when, when a new Holland released their, what the white dragon's milk or whatever. I haven't had that yet. I'd be interested to see your, uh, to have your opinion on it. Personally, not a fan. No, not a fan. I think it would be really good if it wasn't barrel aged, but that you know, kind of shines through a little too much for me. But the only time I've had it was on tap, and it was like right after it released. So maybe they've adjusted it now. But so Swayze or Arclight does one called Swayze Crazy. That's uh, um, a, a, a Java Mocha stout, a white stout that's really good, and he barrel aged it. Uh, this past year, and I've got a bottle in the fridge, and I've I've been afraid to open it because, you know, you're you're kind of fucking with a good thing. But right, um, well, I feel like the with when you have those roasty malts uh, with all those flavors in there, and then you, and then you barrel age it, that that whiskey flavor kind of blends with everything. And I yeah. feel like with the white stouts, that yep. flavor just kind of cuts right through everything. But again, this is an IPA show, so that's true. We're on stouts again. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Shana, oh, Shana literally just told, told me over my shoulder, like you are the worst at staying on topic. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> it, it is, it is. Somebody, hold on. What are we doing? Drew, Drew just asked me about my glass. If it was the 2018 Michigan Homebrew, there it is. I was just drinking out of that yesterday. But um, what were we saying? Oh yeah, if, if we we do need one, we're we're gonna do more of these style episodes. And when we do the style episode on stouts, and I'm gonna sound like Brian, and I'm gonna sit here and talk nonstop Good. about fucking stouts because that's and I can that's, drink. That's my shit. Uh, <laughs> I love stouts, but IPAs. IPAs actually, you know, honestly, out of the, if you go like style wise, like it's probably one of my least favorite styles uh, your least favorite or your least meddled mm, that's a good question no okay my absolute least favorite style is a barley wine least uh, favorite or least meddled i've never meddled in a barley wine is that why it's your least favorite i just have never brewed one because they suck <laughs> uh, we brewed one before i brewed it with jordan i think but least meddled i don't know i mean it, it's not my least meddled no no no, I've I've actually almost uh, one year I, I I was like one point away from sweeping the IPA category at Michigan Homebrew or Beer Cup, and uh, I Before think I decided gotta, to recruit a bunch of good brewers into beer competition. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I encourage all of you to brew more and enter competitions. Not brew more, but enter more beer or brewing competitions, and then yeah, you start taking my <laughs> taking my shit. Uh, it just encourages everybody to. Yeah, be better, really. Step so, up the game. yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 better for all of us. So. so it's like I'm in IT, and I always say that you know when when a company does well, part of their profit should be considered or you know tied back to IT because they can't do well without IT. They can't function without IT. So we should we should not be considered a cost center. We should be considered a profit center. 
uh, and I should now apply that to all of you. Like I should get a portion of club medals <laughs> of the people that I've encouraged to enter competitions. I'll let you. I'll let you take <laughs> my medals if you chew it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just hanging behind you there, Jordan, somewhere. Yeah, I do. They're sitting right off to the side. All nice. All all three of them. Uh, big winner here. That's. Well, it's only been a, we've only we've only all been competing in the competitions a couple of years now. So yeah, last year was my I've I've done I think I've done competitions for three years, and last year was uh, my and I I have never won a best in show, uh, even if it's like what it was it was third best in show yeah, or anything like that. Show, yeah. So don't don't you go off saying. <laughs> no, I mean I haven't I haven't one of your medals is not good. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't won a best in show. I, I did win the the K Dale, I guess. I guess that's a best in show. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, but IPAs, I've won a few. You know, not like a dozen or anything. But and speaking of that, it wasn't an IPA, but that one that was best in show was Pale Ale. Pale Ale, nice, yeah, it's close. But so, what do we have? What's next? Hold on. You guys go. I'll be right back. Wow. Okay. All right. Cool. So this is a 0.5 episode. We don't have a guest um, in the future coming soon. Next week is going to be another 0.5 episode that we're going to come up with a new name for these 0.5 episodes in the next week. Uh, no, that was sorry. No, <laughs> for for those uh, that are uninitiated, we uh, we run a rapid rescue out of our house, and uh, the majority of them are upstairs uh, above my office. So sometimes things get rowdy. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what was going on. Are you in the on. basement now? <laughs> no, I'm I'm on the mid floor. But I, wait, uh, you have an upstairs? Yeah, we so we have a Cape Cod. It's like one giant room upstairs. I never knew this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been over to your house. Like, I can't know. I don't know how many times. Yeah, just because nobody crap. goes up there because that's where all the rabbits are, and uh, they don't. Yeah, we uh, we try not to let. I'm gonna get a refill. <laughs> into, like, yeah, they they startle easily, I guess. So yeah. All right, so Brian, I guess we get since we're on IPA and IPA is you know that's that's your your style, uh, you know, or at least you know something that you you I feel you do very well at. Um, just for my own learning. What's like the one top two, one or two things that you felt really took your IPA from one level up to the next? Mm. Like where did you really start noticing improvement? Two things. Uh, so the very first thing is you going to be hanging out with me. <laughs> I, was, I, was winning, I was winning medals with my double IPA before I knew you. No. Um, actually, I don't think I entered any competitions before I knew you. But so the first thing. Um, probably the most important and and this would be for any beer but oh god i, I want to can i go with three things sure sure <laughs> uh so the first is going to our water from portage water because our water is awful it's awful if you're lucky enough to have water jason water then you know good I'm for gonna, you i'm gonna bring you some brian yeah, I, I would love to brew a beer. I'll brew a beer with your water sometime, and and we can do a brew off or something. You know, but... Jason, I'd be I'd be interested not to interrupt you, Brian, but I'd be interested to get one of your IPU recipes, and we can I'll brew it off my well water, and you since you brew off your well water, I you're well too. Water. Yeah, yep, I am. Well. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brian, number two. Well, yeah, so yeah. So for, water. Me, so for me, well, RO water and building up a profile. Um, 
and, and adjusting for mash pH. Um, the second would be temperature control, which goes for all beers. Um, the, the, I only probably brewed maybe like four or five beers before I uh, ended up investing in some temperature control, but the difference was like pretty substantial, like right away, um, just in terms of reduction of all flavors and stuff like that. And the third was quite a ways down the line. Um, but that was, um, uh, oxygen free, like closed transfers. So however you can do it, um, like for IPAs, especially like a closed transfer is like the way to go. Um, any, any oxygen, especially for new England's, but IPAs in general, once you start getting like oxygen in your beer, um, the, the the more it happens, the more flavors you start to lose, uh, the weirder colors like your beer starts to turn, which I mentioned before, like you want, I don't know, I like a good looking beer. Um, it just, the, the flavors just hang on so much longer. And uh, if you if you read online, like there are shortcuts, like uh, using sodium metabisulfide is actually proven I don't I guess I don't want to say proven but like um, a lot of people have used that to sort of like scavenge oxygen out of their like bottled beers and stuff but um, for for me like kegging and like doing close transfers and limiting oxygen exposure has been like night and day for IPAs so other beers is, not so much but IPAs for sure this is not to just be completely against everything Brian says but I mean, I'm not, I agree with everything he says. Yes, you should, you know, do a water profile, temperature control if you can, and, you know, limit your oxygen exposure. But that said, I do none of that. I, was say, I don't, I don't have, I've been, oh, probably for three years, been meaning to build a firm chamber, but yep. just haven't. Same. I, I started to. out of space. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got like a frame in my garage where I started to, and I just, yeah. did. but yeah, I use but, well water straight i don't treat it at all i don't control my the only part of my brewing process that i don't control is my fermentation because uh, i don't have a firm chamber i i ferment on the main level of my house which is pretty much kept 68 degrees year round so yeah uh, my basement there yeah. there's that and uh i've never messed with closed transfer yep same here i do i will say however i do generally uh fill my kegs with co2 oh i always 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 co2 yeah. purge everybody yeah. if, if i would say that if, if you're going to do one thing to make your up your brewing game fucking purge your vessels yeah. uh so but, I'll, I'll add on to that a little bit in terms of like purging not just like throwing the co2 in and like letting it leak out or whatever but like filling the entire thing up with co2 or i'm sorry sorry star sand and then uh and then pushing the entire thing out with CO2. Like yeah. it'll be a lot cheaper in terms of making sure that the entire vessel is purged of, you know, any oxygen. But yeah, that, when I'm going to keg, I've always, I think we've talked about this before. I, that's the process you follow. You fill the vessel, you wash your keg, fill it with star sand, and then yep. you use the CO2 to push star sand out into, an, you know, a bucket or sink, whatever you're using, uh, so that your keg is filled with CO2. But even if you're if you're if you're uh, racking into secondary, you should still, you know, throw your CO2 line in your secondary, your bucket or your carboy or whatever you're going into secondary, and and just let it run for a bit and 
fill up with CO2 and then come under that layer if you can. So um, oxidation in beer definitely isn't like a light switch, right? Like it's not like you're exposed to oxygen and then your beer is dead. Yep. It's it's just like a it's a gradually like it's it's one of those things where like the the more it happens the worse your beer is probably gonna get that's just the way it works so yeah not not doing a close transfer isn't gonna like ruin your beer it's just one more thing it, one more fail safe to help it be like a little bit better yeah um, and sorry I, mean, I, I was I, was cleaning, I just opened a Centennial and for some reason like it started foaming out of the bottle so I'm not knocking I'm I'm, I'm not knocking what you're doing I'm just saying <laughs> it's, I don't I don't do those things uh that that you do and i should i should I, i've always wanted to do fermentation temperature control i've started the vessel or the container whatever uh chamber i've just never never finished and, and, and a lot of people have like a you know basements that are that are cold enough where um it may not even necessarily be necessary um i think the last thing that i heard was for every one bricks your beer ferments down, it produces about a half degree Fahrenheit in exothermic energy, like heat or whatever. So like if you were to, if your basement wasn't, you know, like 58 degrees, say like you wanted to keep it at 68 degrees Fahrenheit and, and your beer was at 68 and your basement's at 68 and you're fermenting your beer, like it would, it would probably end up, you know, raising the temperature of the beer up to mid seventies, maybe um, as it was fermenting. But again, if your basement's colder, you know, like 60, 58 or something like that, a lot of people have very good luck um, keeping the temperature where it needs to be. And it's not like it ferments like crazy fast. Also depends a bit on the, um, the yeast that you're using and their, their temperature sure ranges. Yeah, sure. Those yeasts uh, will ferment cleanly. Or even if you're fermenting on like carpet versus cement. Yep. Honestly. Like, yeah. Or glass even probably versus plastic. Like yeah, one lots, of those lots, lots of variables. Yeah. Variables that goes into that. But so I'm gonna ask you a quick flip question. I guess this will go to both of you. And I haven't experimented with IPAs too terribly much, so and I don't know if you will or if you'll have an answer to this, but just out of my own curiosity. Um if you've experimented extensively with IPAs, what's one thing that really didn't turn out? Mm. If you have something, you know, so like some chocolate in it or something, I don't know. You know, that, um, one thing that pops up to the top of my, my head is um, uh, timing of, of hops um, between flame out hops and then chilling down to whirlpool temperatures and then whirlpooling, we're adding them all in Whirlpool. We're adding them at different times in Whirlpool or adding some hops when I pitch my yeast or some hops when the I have high Krausen or some hops near the end of Krausen. Like it's been really hard to determine like any sort of difference there. Um, probably part of that is, is because I haven't done it exactly like what I would call scientifically or anything like that, but I still don't know what I would necessarily consider the best process for doing that um also uh yeast health is really 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 important this goes for any beer um but i have started to always do starters for my beer um instead of just pitch direct 
Um, that changed a little bit when we started getting Imperial around here. Um, the Imperial bags, if you can get them fresh, I think are, are enough to ferment like a, um, a batch of beer well without um, having to make a starter for them. But um, I, 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 I really didn't take into consideration how much yeast health like affected like the, the end result of my beer um, probably until a, a couple of weeks ago. But gosh, what, what did I do that really didn't make my beer turn out well? What did I do that? Absolutely screwed. Oh, I'll tell you what. This actually just happened recently, and Jason had this beer too. So, um, uh, Maniacal Yeast, uh, they sell on their website occasionally um, hop terpenes mm. that they, they produce. Um, so, they don't like distill them or anything like that. They create like a combination mimicking like citra or galaxy or like mosaic or like all these other terpenes from like i want to say they like blend them from like other terpenes that they acquire somehow or maybe they do to still not they have a whole process on their website of how they make these terpenes but um they're very potent and i know brandon edwards has used them i think or at least i've talked to him about it at some point in time he's he's had them but um they can like ruin a beer and, and I don't think my red IPA is ruined, but it was um, very noticeable. Yeah. Ruin. So, yeah. so five gallons of this beer, um, it was a Centennial and Simcoe IPA. It's the Benny's red that I'm drinking or was drinking at the beginning of the show. Um, I took 0.2 milliliters um, of these uh, citra hop terpenes and added them to five gallons of my beer when I kegged it. And it was, I don't want to say overpowering, but it was like, it didn't blend. It was so noticeable on the nose. So um, there are tools that we can use, I think, to like make our IPAs pop a bit more. I've used these on New England's before when I didn't think that the nose was quite as powerful as it should be. And it didn't stick out at all. But on this particular beer, for some reason, man, I mean, it, you you smell it, you drink it. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Like even 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 point two milliliters on this beer was noticeable. Yeah, that's that's an insanely low amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. For me, I don't. Like, the IPAs that I've dumped out are, are things that I made just stupid hop decisions on, and so I would I would try to say, you know, pay attention to your alpha acids and and your addition times um you know I, i've made mistakes you know with with too much summit at 60 minutes you know summits an 18 percent alpha typically yep. do you bitter. use brew software jason i i use beersmith okay um but sometimes my creative process is different like you know I, I've, I've talked about i'm writing this presentation on recipe uh thing and 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 until recently, I would say that I've never brewed a beer that I didn't write. You know, I, I like to create. Mm -hmm. I, I come up with the ideas. I taste the malt. I taste the hops. I just, I've never brewed until, until a month ago, I had never brewed a beer recipe that I had not written myself. And even now, I, the two recipes, which were, were 
I, I, I got a recipe from a friend that I converted down to a homebrew system, and then I brewed this big brew IPA. Um, were the first two recipes I've ever brewed that I didn't write or create myself. So even using brew software, sometimes I just get a thing in my head where I'm like, I see the flavor on a hop. Uh, a good example is like Yari Lo says it kicks off banana. And I want to do a banana beer without Hefe. You know, I want to do a, I wanted to do a banana IPA. Yep. Uh, but I didn't read and I, I, I got so excited about the banana flavor. I didn't notice that uh, Yari Lo is like a 17% alpha. Uh, so I start throwing, you know, the shit ton of Yari Lo in there and I get this beer that's just fucking super bitter bananas, which nobody <laughs> likes a bitter banana. Um, but I think for, for brewers, what I'm trying to get to is, is there's beers sometime and there's home brewers sometimes that have come in and cause they're like, I like, and I'm, I'm, I'm just picking two completely two hops and random, but it's like, I like citra hop beers and I like, uh, Apollo hop beers. So I'm going to make a citra Apollo beer. That might be fine. In fact, that one probably would be fine. Um, but not all hops go together. I've, I've tasted IPAs. Maybe not, maybe not bittered with Apollo or with citra and then dry hopped or and world with Apollo. Right, yeah. right, right. So, so there's a valuable tool I found out there, which beer Smith or other brewing calculators won't tell you, you know, they'll tell you if you, I put in this, their alpha exists, the IBUs are going to be that. Um, but the hop wheel, the aroma wheel uh, that's out there, which I cannot remember who fucking created it, Yakima or, or whoever, but Google it, hop aroma wheel, um, and try to, 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 you know, come up with complementary hops. Uh, not all hops are going to go together. You're not going to find that, you know, uh, that, that, that this hop has black currants and this hops has black pepper. Uh, may not go. Yarilo. Is named after a fertility. Well, it tasted like shit. <laughs> so there's been very few kegs of beer that I've actually, you know, pulled a sample and dumped out. And that Yari Low beer was one of them. Uh, so my mistake there was I was brewing with a, another a pro brewer, actually. And I asked him, like, you know, what do you want to contribute to this brew day? And he said honey malt. And he brought over honey malt, which is honey malt for those of you that don't know, is, is a malt that does prov you know, provide honey flavor characteristics that don't ferment out. Uh, and if you use too much honey malt, you will actually get kind of like a sick cloying or a sweetly cloying beer. It's not the greatest. It's wonderful in the right proportions, but it should be used very sparingly. I had come in strong with Yari Lo. He came in strong with honey. We got this really sweet, bitter, very bitter, nasty, rotten banana beer right down the drain. Um, so that's my thing. And I've tasted beers before I've gone to brewers. There's a brewery here, uh, local that I'm not going to name that I've gone to. And it's like every beer, every IPA on tap, nothing melded, nothing was complimentary. Everything seemed to be fighting each other. The, the, the hops were, were opposing and the hop malt characteristics were opposing or it tasted like fish. And I don't know how they did that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so that's my recommendation is, you know, do, do your hop research. If you want to, uh, you know, play with a new hop, do a smash. If you if you're not familiar with it or go out and research your hops on the hop aroma wheel, find some complimentary hops, do a little research. That, that's what I would say. You ask the question, uh, what, 
what changed my game is researching my hops. Don't just go willy nilly. I, I will say that is something that I am, uh, I guess, at fault for is that I will occasionally just, I, I'm terrible at, at pre-planning this. I get busy enough and I'm like, you know, I'm going to brew this day, you know, Saturday or whatever. And I don't end up building my recipe until like Friday night before I'm heading to the place. And then I get there and I don't have all the hops that I, that I have. So I just end up grabbing shit off the shelf and be like, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds so good. That, that, that's my recommendation then Jordan, then step back, <laughs> lean up against a pallet of beer, pull out your phone and Google substitutions because yep. you're, you're standing in a nice cooler. It's Tim. It's comfortable. Take your time, find substitutions. Uh, and I do that all the time. I've actually literally had the, the bells employees come in and be like, are you okay? I'm like, yep. I have you, had that happen too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not stealing anything. I swear. I'm just confused yep. as to what I'm trying to build. Right. <laughs> like, no, you didn't have Nelson. And now I got to try to figure out what substitutes for Nelson. And the answer is nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Which is, it's fine. I, really like I, I do enjoy Nelson though. I do. I, 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 to, I, I do. Brian. Topic. I used to dry hop my ciders with Nelson. So there's a, there's oh, a beer God. that I brew. Actually, that's a good idea. Uh, but there's a beer I brew that I, I've only ever brewed for me. I've never entered it in a competition. I don't think I've ever really given it to anybody but my closest of friends. And it's a Nelson Rye Amber. And it's like the, the style just doesn't go together. It's a, it's, a, it's a Rye Amber beer, heavily hopped with Nelson. It's my favorite beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've had it. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, you haven't. <laughs> but it's it's that it's, it just doesn't fit into any category. It's not it's not a competition beer, but um, but yeah, but Nelson and ciders that sounds like it could be. I thought it was pretty. It took a, it took a while for. Um, I don't know if you've ever dry hopped a cider, but every anytime I've done it. Um, it seems like it takes a while for those flavors to meld properly. Uh, and I, I'm talking like maybe a month or two. Um, are you talking not, about a cider or a graph? Like, like a, like a straight no, like cider, a, like a straight cider. I've okay. never, I've never made a graph. I've never made, I've never mixed the cider with anything besides berries or fruit and hops. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I did, um, the one that I created that I liked the most with Nelson, I think I used three ounces, two or three ounces and dry hopped it for, I think I left him in there for a week and a half or so before kegging it. And then it was probably about a month and a half or so after uh, cold crashing and staying in the keg that I felt like it just hit that good balance I could, between hop and apple. I could even say, Brian, like you're, you're doing that pie mint with uh, um, cotton candy, cotton candy grapes. Yeah. That might be, I mean, if you pull a little of that off and hop, uh, dry hop it with Nelson, that might yeah, yeah really that would well. be good too. I I love Nelson, yeah. Uh, but I've never dry. So who did it? Um, I was just thinking of the mead. Uh, Bee Nectar did a dry hopped. Was that the Necronomicon or whatever? No, Necronomic ne Necromonicon, Necronomic, whatever. That's a pepper. <laughs> oh, that's not dry hop. That, I think that that's is, pepper. That is pepper. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I can't remember. They did one once, and I, I remember, I think it was at like a Bonte October or, or even the 
corks for conservation. I was at the zoo and I was drinking it. I was like, this is amazing. They're like, yeah, we're probably never ever doing it again. And I don't think I've ever seen it again. Um, but they, they did a, a dry hopped mead. So Brian's do a dry hopped mead. One day. One I've day. Got, I've got 15 pounds of honey down here right now. Yeah, there you go. Turn into, turn into mead. So you have to work. Not here. I'm, I'm going downstairs to help uh, Shannon put together the rest of and for uh, for her payment, so yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Right on. So is that you know it? what we should do? Uh, <laughs> so so that's all I have to say about IPAs. But but I had an idea. Are you I sure, Brian? Idea. I had an idea. So some Mondays, maybe maybe every like seventh episode. I don't know. That's a that's a random number. We should we shouldn't get drunk before the point five episode. Oh, that sounds like instead a great of idea. during, and then just start <laughs> there. <laughs> okay, I, my my cheeks are real red right now. Ah, the light isn't showing it, but <laughs> so we need to come up with. So I was trying to say this earlier: is we're going to actually have two point five episodes in a row, and it's not because we don't have guests; it's just because of the way that the guests that we're lining up want. to to or need to come in. So the next guest that we're trying to line up is 13th, which means that next week will also be a non-guest episode. And that being said, I think we need to ditch this 0.5 bullshit. Um, yeah, agreed. It's confusing. So okay. I, I like we'll, this. We said style okay. series on that. I think that's- I know. like the style series because yeah, there's options. But I wanted to say too, with a style series, we're not going to, just because I said that we're kicking off the style series, it doesn't mean the next twelve episodes are going to, you know, be all about beer styles. It's just something that we're going to yep. trickle. Should we? Should we be like that was a point five? That was a point five? That was a point five? And and next week's going to be like episode like eleven or something. Eleven, like that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So I think I think <laughs> we'll we change. Go back and change the titles of these. Uh, Maybe I don't know. I think I can. At very least, um, we should be able to collect them into like a group. That's why this was point five question mark. Um, but we'll, we'll get rid of that. That said, those of you that are watching and those of you that will watch, I know there's only a few watching right now because we rambled, but there, there are people that pick this up through the week. If you have ideas or things that you want us to talk about, let us know. Last week I asked Deb, uh, you know, what breweries or who we should talk to. And she gave us a couple of great names, which we're going to reach out to. Uh, and, you know, we still got breweries we're going to talk to. We're, st we're still going to have a Michigan Homebrew Festival episode if you guys are watching soon. Homebrew Club uh, presidents. Homebrew Club. Uh, yeah, we're we're shooting for Homebrew Club presidents on the 13th of July. Um, uh, I forget. Anyway, uh, and then I think we, we're going to get some homebrewers on here, just talk about their processes and and how we homebrew, how they homebrew, you know. Yeah, uh, that would be nice to have, like, just a guest episode. And shit. But we don't have we don't have a lot of feedback or interaction on our Facebook page yet. I know we're, we're still new. So those of you that are watching, or if you're watching, leave us the comments. So I'm going to say it. Smash, Smash that, that like button. button. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and give us the feedback on what you want to talk about, you know, or, or even if it's like, you know, Brandon, you want to just be on the show, be like, I want to come on the show and talk about this shit or, and we'll do yeah, it. Absolutely. You know, uh, we're, if we're going to do this every fucking Monday, uh, we're going to need the help of the community. So, that's my two cents. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about next week. We'll figure yeah. it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. It. Yeah. The week we'll after that. that last night, so. Hopefully the week after that will be Homebrew Club Presidents. Murray just busted down my door. Murray. Murray. Beer cat. Um, so 
That's it. Are we doing anything after this? Or are you already drunk enough? It's drunk to go to the bar. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make that pie map. If you guys go, I, I may join you later. But for uh, usual, I have to go. Uh, yes, sure it'll be a dad. All right. Yeah. Next week, then. Next week. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody. All right. It's been fun hanging thanks out. Thanks for joining us for the IPAs. Yeah. Have a good one. Take it easy.